Hello, it's Peter Wright and Kathleen Beauvais in Ontario, Canada, with episode number 84 of The Yacking Show. This is where we talk about life, business, and more, and we bring you tips and ideas for the changing world we're living in, and it's certainly changing at the moment. We always try and have a, an interesting lineup of guests for you, and today is no exception. This is a star we're going to have on the show today, but it's not my job to introduce our guest. Kathleen does it so much better than me, so let me welcome our co-host, Kathleen in Waterloo. How are we doing, Kathleen? <laughs> Hello, Peter. I'm doing great, thank you. And thank you all so very much for tuning into our show. We so appreciate you and we love reading your comments. So do please keep them coming. And if anyone out there is interested in being a guest on our show, please don't hesitate to reach out to either Peter or myself. And if you're enjoying our shows, we would love for you to subscribe to our YouTube channel. And as Peter mentioned, we do have a very special guest with us again today. His name is Pradeep Sangha. And Pradeep, welcome. Thanks, Kathleen and Peter. I appreciate you having me. Uh, Pradeep, you're known as the strategist for businessmen. You're a coach, you're a consultant, you're an entrepreneur, and you're a fellow podcaster. So can you tell our audience a little bit more about your background and what led you into this career path? Sure, yeah. It, it just depends on how far you want me to go back, but uh, I'll just give you a quick rundown. And then if you have any questions, you can ask me. Uh, I, uh, you could say I was in the corporate world for 14 years. I was a successful executive, but I wasn't happy with my life. I was literally going through the motions, you can say. I had everything on paper that a guy is supposed to have. I had the, the money, the status, the title. I was flying around the world, an expense account, box tickets. Um, I had a beautiful wife, for example, a young child, um, but we were also struggling in a relationship. Uh, and it was just a, a point in time in my life where I basically said, I need to do something different. We always had an entrepreneurial spirit. And I literally just walked into work one day after sitting in a, uh, an executive meeting where I just looked around the table and it was just like, I cannot do this any longer. And the next day I, I literally just walked in and I quit cold turkey and I took my box of stuff home that same day. And yeah, it was a, it was a big, you can say a big change because my entire corporate career, I was moving towards being a CEO of a major corporation in Canada. I had, my plan was well laid out as well on my way. I was going through and, and, the way I had structured it was I, I was leading every major division in a corporate environment because I wanted to have expertise in marketing mm -hmm. to sales and operations and get that full aspect. And, and I was doing very good. I was well known in the industry as well. I was kind of like the, the young shooter, you can say. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and when I left, it was like starting off from scratch. But the reason why I left was A, I wasn't happy and I wanted to start my own consulting and coaching firm. But B, it's, it's, I wanted to help other, you can say, professionals out there, whether that was business, um, business, uh, and at that time I was coaching women as well, but people in business, business owners, entrepreneurs, but as I started to do that and I developed my business in this, I soon realized that three quarters of the work that I was doing was really on the personal performance side mm -hmm. rather than the business strategy and the tactical side. And it just so happens that one of my hobbies, you can say, is neuroscience and performance psychology. And I've been studying that since I was in high school. Um, and so a, a human potential pushing past their limits, how the brain works, all of these nice things that's becoming a lot more popular now. Mm -hmm. uh, I was helping people with that. And then it just narrowed down even further where I was helping men specifically because they felt comfortable sharing information with me. 
that they typically wouldn't share with anybody else. So CEOs uh, would talk to me and, and just I'll give you an example right before this podcast, I had a CEO uh, who we are consulting for. He's not a coaching client of mine. I just mm-hmm. want to, and we were doing a, we have a project, a communications project for his organization and him and I conversed, we built a relationship and we just, he reached out to me and today he, and he said, pretty but not doing so well. And he, we just spoke on the, um, on zoom for about an hour and he, he broke down and he was crying. And this is the CEO of a major corporation in Canada. And he's like, I just, this is not like me. And I said, it's okay. Because uh, although we are men, for example, um, and we appear to be strong, we're still human beings. Mm-hmm. And for him, he didn't know who he could go to, whether mm-hmm. he couldn't go to his board and say, I'm having these challenges. He couldn't go to his executive team mm-hmm. and say, I couldn't have these challenges. And he couldn't even go to his wife because he's supposed to be the pillar of his family. Mm-hmm. So long story short, it took me a while to kind of figure it out because I was a little thick in the skull, but it, it narrowed its way down. Sometimes you have to open yourself to what the universe is showing you. Mm-hmm. And it just really narrowed down to helping men specifically, guys who are professionals, entrepreneurs, business owners, um, CEOs, executives, who want to have a complete life, who don't just want to have a great career, but also want to have a great relationship, have a great family, and also want to be fulfilled in life. So essentially, that's what I do in a nutshell, is coach men to have everything that they want in life. Wow. I, I, I hear what you're saying. I've been down some of those roads myself, let me tell you. And <laughs> And when you you talk about leaving the corporate world, I went down almost, I wasn't as successful as you, but at senior management position, I said, it's enough. I had, you know, same thing, flying, staying in nice hotels, the big BMW, I said, it's, it's the novelty's worn off. And I, that was 30 odd years ago. I went on my own, worked <laughs> on my own ever since. So I hear what you're saying. But I've got a question for you. I, I'm yep. somewhat curious. You concentrate on helping men succeed in life and in business, right? Mm-hmm. Um is that not a dangerous strategy in this current cancel culture, genderless world? And I ask that somewhat tongue in cheek, but I'm interested in your response. Yeah, absolutely. It was, it was, you could say, uh, I don't, I don't think it was a bold move, but I was told it was a bold move by a lot of people. Most of the colleagues that, that work in my space, for example, 80% of their clients are females. Mm-hmm. Uh, females are uh, uh, women, I should say, are more receptive to being coached. They're more receptive yep. to having uh, that, that guidance. Men are a little bit more stubborn, but on top of that, there are a lot of female women entrepreneurial groups and support networks, very few yep. for men. Yes. And, and I still get that today. I'll, I'll tell you when I started the Male Entrepreneur Podcast, people are like, what? What did you call it? Like the male <laughs> entrepreneur? Like what's going on there? I had shirts that I made and my friend, my own friends would tell me, I want that shirt, but I can't wear it because <laughs> I don't want my clients or anybody around me thinking that I'm a chauvinist or a sexist or whatever it might be. So we live in this, this culture. I've had a lot of actually, uh, interesting enough, half of our business referrals come from uh, women. Mm-hmm. It's really no, interesting. Yeah. yeah. And, and because the women will reach out and say, you know, I need you to work with my husband or my business partner or whatever it is because they need the help. There's more and more women now understanding that there's nothing wrong with uh, a group or an individual helping men specifically because it ultimately helps them. My whole mission isn't just to help the men. It's to help the women that are in relationships with these men and the children that are being raised by these men. And, and, 
And so that's what it's really about. So people are a lot more open than they were about three years ago, Peter. Mm -hmm. That's a really good question. I'm starting to see the tides shift a little bit. Good. Although, you know, there's individuals out there in the political world um, in very powerful positions, no longer, uh, that haven't represented men in a very good light. And so yeah. we have this whole thing now where men in power are being questioned mm -hmm. uh, and they've been questioned mm -hmm. for a while and legitimately a lot of them. Mm -hmm. um, so long story short, it is the contentious subject until I have a moment to speak. And typically it's, it's with women, not always, but when I have a conversation with a woman and she fully understands what I'm doing, she's becomes my biggest advocate. <clears throat> right. Right. Yes. right. Now, no, I'm not disagreeing with you, but it, it just uh, struck me that in the current climate, um, you've obviously caught a bit of flack on that one. So, but a good explanation. I, I like the way you answered that one. Over to Kathleen. Uh, you know, I, I, I completely understand that women are, I would say, probably more receptive to asking for help as well. And it's interesting how it's the women referring their partners to mm -hmm. you. And um, so, so completely get that. And so good for you for having started that. Really? Yeah, yeah thank you. Sure. It's, well, it's my passion, and maybe I can just quickly add to that. I, yeah. I saw my I, I saw my father struggle. My father was an entrepreneur. He's a businessman. Very. He was a great father, uh, but he also struggled with alcoholism. So I started to study. You can say people's behavior, especially male behavior, how men and women interact, how men interact in family units and society at an early age. You can say I. I, I was almost groomed to do this throughout my entire life uh, span. And that's why I do what I do. Right. Oh, very good. You have a very long list of accomplishments and qualifications. What drives you to keep learning? Oh, well, it's, it's simply something I learned when I was a child. So I, my background is, is Indian and my parents immigrated from India. My grandparents lived with us as well when they immigrated. And, and we are of, uh, our faith is, the religious faith is Sikhism. So mm -hmm. sick. And the word, the word sick actually means to be a learner, to be a disciple. And that is a whole premise around it. My grandfather was a very spiritual and religious man. And he taught me at a very early age to learn is to live. And so that's basically the premise I took through since I was a kid. He taught me a lot. And that was one of the biggest things I, people, some people enjoy watching sports. Some people enjoy other hobbies. My hobby is literally learning. That's the funnest thing for me. Very interesting. Very interesting. And, uh, is, is that a general thing in, in this, in your sick religion that drives people the learning? I, you said it, it means the, the nature of it is learning. Is, <clears throat> is that a big driver that uh, a lot of people following your religion would be so, so determined to keep on learning? I, I wouldn't say a lot of people. I think there's a select group uh, of individuals mm -hmm. with, w within the culture of the religion, you can say, that have that drive. But overall, no, I think just with anything else, when it comes to religion or culture, a lot of that gets misconstrued. A lot of it gets... okay modernize so long story short no but it mm -hmm. is a fundamental principle okay very interesting very interesting because i you know i mentioned earlier before we started recording i lived in south africa for a big part of my life and i lived in the city of durban which has the mm -hmm. largest population of indian people outside of the main of india right over a million so i had a lot of exposure to indian culture mm -hmm. not not necessarily sikh culture but it was pretty obvious there that 
the percentage of successful people in the Indian community was probably higher than in every other community, yeah. and particularly the academic level of kids at school, right? Yes. There seemed to be this drive for learning, and I believe it's the same in the States as well. So very interesting, that one. Thanks for that. Um, what I was going to ask you next was, and this is one I love asking business coaches and consultants. What, what's, in your opinion, what's the single most important factor that separates the successful entrepreneurs or businessmen from the failures? Is there one single thing or is it a combination of things? Well, it's, it's a combination of things, but it's their ability to manage themselves. And, and that's mm. what I would take a look at. It. Um, right. it is really, you know, again, it goes back to the work that I do is 80%, three quarters of it roughly is on the individual themselves how they manage their thoughts, how they manage their emotions, how they manage their energy levels. Ultimately, it comes down to two things. And this is how, biz this is how business works and this is how life works. Life and business is just a series of decisions and actions. If you make better decisions and you take more effective action, ultimately you will get to your destination faster or more effectively. That's how business operates as well. So if you can manage your thoughts, your emotions and energy, you are more likely to make better decisions there's no such thing as perfect decisions, but you will make better decisions and therefore you will execute, execute better as well. So that, that's, that's my premise. Excellent. Excellent. That, that is very well put. And, and so true. If I look at my life and lots of other people, Hey, that's a good one. <laughs> Kathleen, you've got something else for fitting. Pradeep, you offer a range of services. Can you tell our audience a little bit more about what you offer? Sure. Yes. Yeah. So I have two sides again to the business. One is the consulting side. So we have a team where we help organizations uh, basically grow their business from marketing to sales, to uh, project management, to team building. Those are our big expertise. Uh, we do a lot of stuff on innovation. We don't really go into the finance part, although we're building expertise on that. We're building a, a mergers and acquisitions team mm -hmm. that we're focusing on. And, and then on the coaching side is really where I focus. I personally focus because this is my passion. And so this is where I personally coach individuals, typically higher level um, executives or entrepreneurs that really want to take their life or their business to a whole level, a different level, or they're facing some kind of challenge. Mm -hmm. So I've combined on that side, if I can just clarify the business coaching side with the personal performance coaching side, specifically for men into one unit so they can mm -hmm. be a better mm -hmm. business leader, a better husband, a better father, and a better man overall in terms of their performance level. And so I always say, you know, men basically want to do three things. And, and this, uh, this applies to women too, is uh, they want to perform at their best. They want to achieve their goals and they also mm -hmm. want to be fulfilled. And those mm -hmm. are the three areas that I work with uh, for men. Excellent. Excellent. So I'm going to ask you a question now, and, and, and I must ask for your um, <clears throat> forgiveness if it sounds direct, because this is a culture thing, and Kathleen says, Peter, you're a bit too direct, but that's the way I was brought up, right? So, I like it. <laughs> okay, so my question to you is, um, and, and the terminology is mine, I, it's, I'm not copying anything from you, is do you believe, that, and I call it the societal emasculation of men in the late 20th century do you think that's a factor in many of the problems we see in society today? And I'm talking about drug abuse, broken homes, crime, people not achieving um, all, that whole basket. Um, am I onto something here? Or? 
it could yeah, be so a contentious it, subject, but I'd, I'd like your opinion. Oh, absolutely, because I talk very openly about this. And if I could uh, just ask for clarification, you're talking about the suppression of masculinity, um, yeah. and then and, and this whole concept of toxic masculinity and uh, yeah. and things that are um, yeah, absolutely. So we've I started studying this actually back in early 2000s. And I started studying this because I was in a very serious relationship with my high school sweetheart, which didn't work out well. And I was devastated. I was heartbroken. And I started to, again, learn in terms of relationships, what, how men operate, how women operate, gender mm -hmm. roles, for example, all of these aspects that make a relationship work or don't work and society. And at that time, I reached out to some of the top psychologists uh, when it comes to relationships in the US. And we had some very great conversations about where the trend was going for men and women. And at that time, I was like, no way, it's, it's not mm -hmm. going to happen. But it slowly has happened where right now, men are a lot of men are afraid to be men. Yeah. If you ask a man what masculinity means, or what represents masculinity, you'll have men who are just straight up, they'll tell you, and, and it's their thoughts. And a lot of it is old school. Mm -hmm. uh, there's men that will tell you what they think you want to hear. And there's men that won't tell you anything at all because they either don't know or they're afraid mm -hmm. to say what's on mm -hmm. their mind. This is a state that we're in with men. And it is a very challenging state because there's, I could talk about this for hours, Peter, because this is kind of Pandora's box, yeah. but it really is my passion because we need to rebalance ourselves in society. Women have been, you can say, uh, you know, oppressed by men for sure for centuries, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and it's about time that men step up and be mindful. That's why I talk about the concept of being a mindful alpha male. Right. But what's happened now is that now it's not only impacted men in the workplace because men are afraid to have conversations with women, especially tough conversations, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. they're also bringing this home to their relationships where there's a imbalance in a relationship of masculine and feminine energy is what I like to use. Yeah. Use. yeah. And there's, and what happening is there's a lot more relationships breaking down because there's not that attraction anymore. You have women that are more driven and more masculine than men. And you have men that are less uh, or more feminine than women. Mm -hmm. And what that's done is thrown off the complete balance. And so, yes, it's having a massive impact. And now we have a whole generation that's being raised because we have this concept of gender neutrality yep. where neither boys nor girls are, are fully understanding what it means to be a boy or a girl. And let's be clear, that's very different than equal opportunities. Oh, yes, totally. Right? And, and, and so there's a big confusion out there now. Uh, and I'm very adamant about, because we've done a lot of research about this, uh, and our team did a lot of research over the last few years in terms of how it's impacting society. Uh, so long story short, yes, we have... In the States, for example, over 50% of families are being raised without, or children are being raised without full-time fathers. Mm -hmm. This is an epidemic. Yeah. Uh, this is not just a, you know, this is a challenge in society. It's an epidemic because uh, kids are growing up without having that mentorship and guidance. Therefore, they don't know what true masculinity is about. And, and I go back to, uh, you know, my grandfather, for example, uh, who was raised in the British Indian Army, it taught me how to be a man. My word is my mm -hmm. bond, how to live by values. Um, you know, all of these principles that we don't teach young boys anymore. And so, uh, yes, I'm a strong uh, supporter of being masculine, but being mindful from the perspective of every one of our actions has a ripple effect. Mm -hmm. 
we have to be aware of what that ripple effect is, not only on ourselves, but our family members, our children, our society. And there's nothing wrong with being an alpha male, as long as you're being mindful about it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I've got to ask a follow-up question. With all the research you've done and your experience and what you're seeing now, do you, are you optimistic we'll get some balance back again in the not-too-distant future? <laughs> well, I'm personally fighting hard for this. Um, and that's, that's the big, um, you can say, our, our uh, mission. Well, you, you know, that's, that's a loaded question. I, I think we will. I'm seeing some positive trends in the right direction. And where here's what needs to happen. Men need to step up and own their masculinity. That's what, that's what they need yeah. to do. Because we've yeah. now said we are going to allow women to tell us how masculine or not, or not masculine we should be. And they need to step up. Women also need to have this conversation with men to say, okay, you know what? We want to, be, we want to have a bigger presence in the workforce or politics or whatever that is. Um, and bring these conversations together. Right now, there's this huge butt of heads with, yep. with men and women. We're seeing this mm -hmm. in the corporate world. We're seeing this in very powerful positions, whether it's media or politics. Uh, but we're, we're having those conversations now. So I am more, you can say, I have a greater positive outlook in terms of where we are going than I did probably about three years ago. Excellent. Good. Thanks. That's good to hear. Kathleen, over to you. It actually makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. So uh, kudos to you for even doing that. Um, what types of businesses do you typically work with? Well, we, yeah. So on the, on the consulting side, we have a, a range. So from transportation to service industries, from manufacturing to food production. Um, so there's a range okay. uh, for that. And on the personal side, I, I focus more on the individual than the actual mm -hmm. type, types of businesses uh, because I'm very working on the personal side more. So we, we vary. We don't typically, for example, work well. I will on the coaching side, but not on the consulting side. It's not the industry such as oil and gas or mining. Mm -hmm. um, those aren't industries that we typically work in, but pretty much everything else. Excellent. Excellent. Very good. How can our audience contact you? You know, you've got so much to share and, and I, we've spent a bit of time on your website and I listened to one of your podcasts this morning so to get a, a better idea, but there's a lot there. What's the best way for audiences to our audience to contact you? Uh, for contact, you can reach out to my team directly at team at perdeepsanga.com. Uh, feel free to connect with me on pretty much every social media channel. Uh, except for TikTok. I'm not a big fan of TikTok. Um, but you can reach out to me. It's typically uh, my social media handle is at Pradeep Sangha. And I'm, I'm more than happy to connect. Excellent. And we'll put those captions in. Uh, we'll attach the video, Pradeep. So, okay. Peter, did you have a follow-up question? I do. There's something I want to ask, um, Pradeep. We're, we're in a, an interesting situation right now with the coronavirus, mm -hmm. and so many people's lives are disrupted, both from a business and a personal point of view and from a recreational sport, the whole deal. The world's upside down. Um, <clears throat> What, do you, do, what are the lasting impacts you get, do you think this is going to leave on us going forward once we get back to some sort of new, new I hate the term, but a new normal? Uh, so let me talk about the positive uh, mm -hmm. first. Yeah. I, I think for a lot of families, it's reset them. I know for myself, I spent more time with my family this past year than I ever have. And it was mm -hmm. such a great thing. So I think for a lot of families, it's brought them together. 
in terms of closeness. It's also changed how businesses are operating. They have to be more efficient and, and, and take on technology. So a lot of the businesses, and, and I'm, I'm a business strategist, a lot of businesses were still in business, even though they probably shouldn't have been in business. Yeah, so, right. So this has forced, you can say, um, the real business owners and real businesses, I hope anybody in the audience doesn't take offense to that, but this has forced the real businesses to stay in business and all the hobbyists, for example, to rethink how they're approaching business. Mm -hmm. On the flip side, on the personal side, I, I don't have such a, a positive outlook and here's why is because mental illness we know is already starting to rise. Yep, absolutely. Schools, school teachers, are challenged more with dealing with the mental side, the mental illness side for children than they are actually teaching the children. Mm -hmm. I'm seeing this personally myself, you know, I'm, I, I do this work for a living. So I'm very resilient. I teach my kids, I teach my family members and the people in my inner circle to how to deal with this kind of stuff. But I can see if I didn't have these skills, I would be challenged myself. Um, and I find myself even being challenged because I'm a social person. I come from a very big family and not being able to see them is a challenge. I'll give you an example. My brother has a, uh, a five-month-old and he is so cute, but he lives in British Columbia. I saw him when he was first born and they were planning on coming out here in March to visit with my kids and I wanted them to have that bond. And they probably won't because of where we are in Ontario mm -hmm. right now in terms of COVID. Mm -hmm. So it's having an impact from that standpoint. Long last, from a long-lasting perspective, I think this is going to cause more mental illness. It's going to cause more depression. It's going to cause more anxiety in people. We're seeing this, obviously, business owners losing a lot of their, obviously, their homes, everything that they have. Yeah. So I think it's going to have a major negative impact on society. But with that, I think what we need to do as a society, if we can do this, I think I'm more hopeful of Canada than the U.S., is that we will come together. We will support each other more. We will be more cognizant. This is going to create a huge opportunity for professionals who want to get into the mental illness space or get mm -hmm. into the happiness space to be able to help families to cope with this and actually build stronger families. So with the challenges also comes the opportunity. I think we will eventually get over it, but I think it's going to take some time. Some time, yeah. And I've got a very, very quick one. Um, I've had some ups and downs in my life, but this is not about me, it's about you. Um, you mentioned resilience. Do you think that being exposed to adversity in small doses gives you an advantage and that you build resilience through each repeated exposure so you're better placed to handle the big ones like what's happening now when they come along? Absolutely. Uh, and the reason is because every time you go through a challenge, your brain literally, if we talk about the neuroscience of it, rewires itself to be able to deal with that challenge. Right. And, the, right. and it's just like any level of stress that you have, whether it's stress on your body, that's how your muscles build, for example, by putting sure. oh, an overloaded stress on your muscles. The same thing goes for your mental and your emotional capacity. The more you go through, the tougher you get as long, here's the one caveat, as long as you learn, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that is the ultimate thing. And so why self-reflection and reflection of the circumstances and the situation is the most important thing about resilience that you can have. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you very much for that. Yeah. Very good. Well, we're nearly out of time. So Pudeep, that was fascinating. We could go on for hours and I, I'm certainly going to be following you in all the social media that I can find you on because uh, I want to hear more from you. So from me, thank you. And it's back over to Kathleen.
Yes, thank you so much for being our guest today, Pradeep. Um, it, it was enlightening. Thank you. And thank you all so very much for tuning into our show. We so appreciate you and we love reading your comments. So do please keep them coming. And if anyone is interested in being a guest on our show, please don't hesitate to reach out to either Peter or myself. And if you're enjoying our shows, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Until next time, take care, everyone. Bye-bye.